We are getting ready very soon to head into the month of Elul, which is our month of preparation before Rosh Hashanah. And I think one of the things that it's helpful for me to think about at this time is a biblical spirituality. Two things that I certainly was never really taught uh, when I grew up, I mean, is part of the temple spirituality that is associated with sacrifices and the ancient temple and the Mishkan before that. And so it seems like from a whole antiquated, archaic era is the concept of vows. And it plays a very big part in temple spirituality. And as we make our way to the New Year's resolutions of Rosh Hashanah, which sound like a modern invention, but they are not, and Yom Kippur, which begins with the absolution of vows to God, most of the time, when I grew up, Yom Kippur was a really nice piece of music, right? So, kol and people are like, oh, that's so great. No one cared about what it meant. So, and you start it right when the service happens, right? You just be like, okay, we're starting. Open the ark and go, because you have to do it before it gets dark. So you have to squeeze it in. So you don't have a time for the rabbi to say, oh, let's think about what this means. What are these vows that we are being absolved on on Kol Nidre? And what are these resolutions that we're making on Rosh Hashanah? Both of them go back to the temple spirituality, where essentially there are two kinds of vows. There are unconditional vows and there are conditional vows. And both of them should be the kinds of things that we're thinking of now so that we're ready for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur to make new vows once our old ones are absolved. The New Year's resolutions that we're making on Rosh Hashanah are of one of these two types. An unconditional vow is that it's something that you're going to do no matter what, like giving up. So in, in the Torah... One of the main examples we have, if not, well, the, the main example we have of an unconditional vow is the Nazarite vow. So you're going to give up all, all intoxicants, all alcohol and other chemicals that cause intoxication. And there's no, well, I'll only do this if something happens. It's like, nope, I'm going to do this. Um, you can imagine other unconditional vows, which could be, I pledge to God that I'm going to exercise. And it has to be very specific. It can't be, a vow has to be like a, something that could be legally verified. So if Evan makes a vow that I'm going to spiritually evolve, right? Well, if I'm a judge, I have no way to know how, what criteria by which I evaluate the spiritual evolution. So please don't make such vows. In other words, you should only make a vow that you can imagine a, an impartial witness verifying. So it could be something like, I vow to go to Weight Watchers three times a week. And then an impartial witness could be like, we have video and you skipped last week. You know, like it's got to be, it can't be like, I vow to be a better person. Um, or in the words of my children's favorite song by T- Taylor Swift, um, I vow to be a better man. Um, by the way, it's an amazing song, probably played on Yom Kippur. But uh, I can't just be like, I, I, I vow to be better. If all you got on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is I vow to be better, you didn't do your job and the rabbi didn't do the job, right? Because you got to be more specific. So now you're supposed to be thinking, If I had vows, am I giving up anything? And if so, what would it mean to give up something? Am I taking on something diet-wise, exercise-wise, going to services more, attending Sunday Minion, um, you know, uh, uh, signing up to do something? It's got to be something that could be verified, and you should know that by, that's what a Rosh Hashanah resolution is. It's a verifiable, 
um, exact unconditional vow. Are there any limits on unconditional vows in Judaism? Absolutely. They can't last more than a year. And in fact, they should be more... They, you, can, you decide the duration of the vow, but you can't... Prop, think about it. I couldn't say, I vow on Yom Kippur that for a year and a half, I'm going to quit drinking. Because in a year, you're going to be standing there saying, all vows are now absolved, so you can make new vows starting today. You know, and then we repeat it three times in a much better key. And um, so, like, you can't vow beyond a year because you got Colony Dre coming up and you're going to be absolved. So that's kind of cheating if you're like, I'm going to be so great, but I'm go- I know I'm going to get off the hook. So the Torah recommends that you make vows somewhere around six months. That seems to be the average, but they could be shorter. They could be two months, you could, or they could be one month. You're like, I'm going to eat no, I don't know, uh, I'm not going to have dessert for two months or whatever it is. I'm going to eat a better breakfast. I'm going to eat a better breakfast um, and not skip it for two months. But no more, six months should be around your vow. And if you make the vow and you make it on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, you're vowing to God and it has the force of the Ten Commandments. So that each of us has the power of God's authority in mitzvah making. If you want to legislate for yourself a new mitzvah, that's the force it has. So one of the reasons we don't talk about vows very much, and you don't see a lot in the Moxor about it, it's like, well, if it's so important, why isn't there, a little, why isn't there a reading in the Moxor saying just what Rabbi Cain's saying? And the reason is because the Talmud says, let's skip the whole vow thing. Because people don't keep them, and, no one, and people are abusing the privilege. So they say something like, I'm going to go on a diet for three months. And I've, I've, I, by doing that, basically, in your mind, during an Amida, during Rosh Hashanah, when you're kicking back and, and I can see you're not turning your pages and following along, and I'm, I'm assuming that you are in a reverie of introspection and making vows for the coming year. And you may well be. And I'm telling you that whatever in your mind you said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to call my grandkids and Skype with them once every two weeks. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overcome my fear of flying. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go visit them, God. God's hearing that. And you just had the power of God of making a mitzvah. So the rabbis of the Talmud say, let's eliminate the whole thing. Because everyone's abusing the power of God. And it's better that they skip the whole thing. But of course, as you know, I wouldn't be giving this teaching if I wasn't saying, let's put the Talmud aside and go back to the Torah for a second. I think that's why we're there. So you should be thinking about, Am I going to make an unconditional vow, and I should be specific, and what's the duration? If it says I'm going to call up, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to sign up again for the caring committee, and you know, it should be like, well, how much are you committing to? I mean, is it just for the sign-up? Is it for three months? Is it for four months? You should think a duration and a specific thing that what your vows are, and then you should feel that you just, like for the, rab- for the Torah, the attitude is this is an incredibly powerful thing. I mean, if you promise to God that you are going to go on a diet, then you better go on a diet. Like, otherwise, it's like, you know, coveting and adultery and all that stuff. Like, it's bad stuff. So that's an unconditional vow. Limited duration. And then if it works, maybe you keep dieting. But the vow should be absolutely serious. You're allowed to make a vow just for a month. So maybe think about what your vows would be. And the other kind of vow, do the short version on that, is a conditional vow. And conditional vows um, are very unchristian. 
So conditional vowels are meaning that a lot of people think they don't sound very holy because they're conditional and they go like this. They usually involve doing something or giving something away should good fortune happen to you. And actually, I got to tell you that as far as it looks like in the Torah, for people who come every Saturday and read the whole thing and study it, you'll realize that the vast majority of the vows made were conditional vows. They were not Nazarite vows, and I'm going to give up this, I'm going to give up alcohol, and I'm, I'm going to go to temple more, and I promise that most of them were conditional vows, which is this. God, if I win the mega millions, I'm paying off the mortgage of the temple. You hearing me on that? But I got to win the mega millions first. 90 plus percent of the vows in the Torah are of the form, should good fortune happen to me in the coming year, before the year is up, before next Rosh Hashanah, I will fulfill my part of the vow, which is whatever I want it to be. Should my wife get pregnant, that we, we, show what we, we want so much, should that happen? $10,000 to the rabbi's fund, or to the hospital, or to Hadassah, or whatever it is. Or I'll never miss another Hadassah meeting for the next 12 months. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going. In fact, I'm going to the two groups that Terry signed me up for. So I'm both chapters. <laughs> now, no one ever teaches this stuff because I think in American culture, it sounds too like a bad stereotype of Jews, right? Jews, they're all about money and they're all about, well, I'm only going to do it if something good happens. There is nothing wrong with that. There, yeah, I know, exactly. You know, it's like if I win the lottery and get David and Crystal as my parents, I'm going to go to shul every week. And look, what's, it's working really well for Eliyahu. It, it, it panned out. So, but the truth is, it's a wonderful spirituality. It's a fantastic spirituality. The Torah, is fu- it, the Torah mostly centers on that spirituality as the main spiritual practice. And the Torah itself, before there's psalms, before there's liturgy, you only have an offering. Most, a lot of the offerings are, should good fortune happen to me, and I'm going to specify that good fortune, then... I'm going to be generous with my time or my money, and I'm going to be very specific, and I'm going to fulfill that vow within a year. And that is an experience of blessing. I mean, we say the word blessing all the time. Blessing simply means you, you get a bounty. You get more than what you need. If you get more income than what you need, you got blessing that year. If you only got the exact amount of income that only covers your exact expenses, you got through the year, but you didn't have blessing. That's not blessing of, uh, of sustenance. You didn't, you didn't have um, a blessing of your, of, of your sustenance. And so the other thing to think about is that this is Jewish. You should think about what New Year's resolutions, you would, the, the conditional vows you would make, which is if I have a good year, if I have a year of health, if I have a year where my back doesn't hurt, if I've, it, God, if you give me a year where I can actually sit in a chair without being in pain, then... Um, I'm going to go to the rabbi's musical Shabbat jam under the star thing that he's begging me to go to. And uh, if, rabbi, um, if rabbi, my daughter's husband, finds a job, I'm going to do X. Like, that's actually, a, you don't have to be a saint in Judaism. That's actually saying, I'm going to be aware of when I have more than what I need and I'm going to share a piece of myself with the world in gratitude. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a beautiful part of our spirituality. So as you work through Elul, think about specifically, what are my Rosh Hashanah resolutions going to be? What are my vows for the coming year? Whatever I vowed last year is now officially absolved, um, and uh, to God anyway. And so fresh start. 
What are my conditional vows going to be based on good fortune? And what am I going to promise to do in return should certain milestones happen for me? And also, what are the unconditional vows I'm going to do? For, and for how much time am I going to pledge? For one month, two months, three months? For one month, I'm going to take a walk around the block every morning? Or is it going to be six months? I'm going to go to the gym. Um, what is it going to be so that you set yourself up for coming prepared for high holy days?